Coming up, the biggest question marks in the Notre Dame defense heading into the summer. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Wednesday, May 10th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch along on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts, and you can help out the show by hitting subscribe from wherever it is that you're tuning in from. I'm the host, Tyler Wojak. I've been a big Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018, and I'm currently a producer for college football talent at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And in today's episode, I'm going to go through the scholarship depth chart on the defense as I understand it following the conclusion of spring practice. And then I'm going to share my biggest question mark for each position group as we head into the summer. I did this exact same exercise with the offense in yesterday's episode. So if you haven't checked that one out yet, I'd encourage you to do so once we're finished up here. Uh, But let's get to it. And we begin on the back end of the defense with the safety. So right now, the starting safeties appear to be Xavier Watts in the field side and then Ramon Henderson in the boundary. I know that last year, if you look at the snap totals from the safeties, all the returning safeties, DJ Brown did lead the bunch. Um, with 462 as opposed to 304 for Xavier Watts and 268 for Ramon Henderson. But if you look at the Gator Bowl distribution and really the entire end of last season, Xavier Watts was sort of the clear safety and then Ramon Henderson was right there on the other end. And then he was rotating pretty frequently with DJ Brown. DJ Brown has plenty of experience back there. I was pretty surprised when he even came back for a six year, but uh, good for him, man. Playing college football is fun, believe it or not. And uh, he wanted to come back, and I think he's going to be a big time contributor for this team this season. After that, <laughs> it's really not great uh, for the Notre Dame safeties. They got Ben Minnick, the true freshman, and Adon Schuler, another true freshman. Uh, Both of them did early enroll at Notre Dame, but then both ended up suffering injuries in spring practice. So we didn't get to see them in the blue and gold game. And now I want to get to Antonio Carter, the potential grad transfer uh, from Rhode Island, who is planning on visiting Notre Dame today on this Wednesday. I know there's been a lot of talk about him. I know there's been a lot of talk on this show about the not just the importance, the absolute necessity for Notre Dame to bring in a safety, even if it is for just one year, because the depth behind Xavier Watts, behind Ramon Henderson and DJ Brown is so slim. I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. I know that Notre Dame is in good position with him, but I'll give you a brief bio if you're not familiar with it, with Antonio Carter at this point. Uh, he spent two seasons as a starter at Rhode Island, which I understand is an FCS school, but he is from Orlando, Florida, so he's not you know, he's, it's not like he's never played big-time football before because, as we know on this podcast, and if you pay attention to high school football in the, around the country, high school football in Florida is really, really good. It might just be the best in the country, uh, although I hate to say it as someone who's pretty proud of uh, high school football in Ohio. Anyway, Carter, as a cornerback, registered 105 tackles in 21 games, which is really impressive. He's a very physical player. He also racked up two sacks and five-and-a-half TFLs over the course of his two years as the starter. And he did play... Over 1,000 of his snaps at corner and then like 274 as a box safety. Notre Dame would be bringing him in as a safety because of the depth concerns and how they're pretty well positioned at corner, which we'll get to in a second. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what he ends up deciding. I know he visited Wisconsin and Ole Miss already. He's also looking at Kentucky and Florida. Um, Florida's obviously his hometown state they offered recently. So I don't know. We'll see where he ends up. But obviously, if he does pick Notre Dame, we will have you covered here on the podcast. But for now, we're going to act as if he's not going to be on the team because right now, that's not the case. So my biggest questions for the Notre Dame safeties is, can Xavier Watts live up to the hype? 
Xavier Watts was one of the most talked about players in spring practice for his play on the practice fields. And at the end of last season, he really came on and you could see that he'd really sort of found a home at that safety position because during his first few seasons at Notre Dame, he was bouncing around between wide receiver, defensive back. They didn't know where to put him, but he was a very violent player. He was great on special teams. And we know that he has the skills to be a very talented football player. And now he possesses the knowledge at a position that requires a high football IQ, especially pre-snap. The safety is often the person calling out the coverages for everyone out there in the defense. Notre Dame's depth at safety is probably always going to be a concern, even if they do get Carter. But if Xavier Watts can become the difference maker that we think he can be, then Notre Dame should be just fine at the back end. Okay, let's move on to the cornerback. So you've got your two starters, Cam Hart and Ben Morrison. Cam Hart is entering his fifth year senior year, and then Ben Morrison is going to be a true sophomore after he had a phenomenal true freshman season, freshman All-American by the end of the year, one of Notre Dame's best players going into 2023. Then at the nickel, you've got Thomas Harper, the grad transfer from Oklahoma State, who we really just haven't seen much of at Notre Dame so far because he's been dealing with a shoulder injury. More on that in a bit. And then behind them, you've got Jaden Mickey, who will likely play in the field side. And then at the nickel slash boundary corner, you've got Clarence Lewis, who at the start of his career at Notre Dame, I thought he was going to be a really, really good player. He wasn't that highly recruited, so there were some comparisons with him and Kavari Russell. Obviously, he's been jumped by a couple younger guys, but he's stuck around, and I think he could be a big uh, contributor this season off the bench for Notre Dame. And then behind those two, you've got Christian Gray, the true freshman that everyone is really excited about. He was a really highly recruited prospect coming to Notre Dame, so he could be great, but again, another guy who suffered an injury in spring practice. And then Chance Tucker and Ryan Barnes, two older guys who've been around for a little bit, haven't really found a place on the field on Saturdays, but it's nice to have that depth. Uh, in your cornerback room. And then you got Micah Bell, a true freshman who hasn't arrived on campus yet. He'll uh, enroll in the summer, and he is a freakish athlete. He might be the fastest guy on the team the moment he steps on campus. He's an unbelievable track athlete, so we'll just have to see. So you're looking at this Notre Dame cornerback room. You've got Ben Morrison, who could be a future first-round pick. Cam Hart, who's also very talented, very long corner, and he showed some flashes throughout his career. But unfortunately for him, injuries have been a concern, and that's what leads me to my big question for this group. Can the shoulders stay clean? Not lean, clean. My point here is we know what Notre Dame has in Benjamin Morrison, and he might be, honestly, I know I keep talking about him, he might be the best quarterback Notre Dame has had even before Julian Love, who should have won the Thorpe Award. Like, he is that good. But who is going to play alongside him? We know Cam Hart is playing of natural ability, but those shoulder injuries that I've been talking about have really prevented him from maximizing his talent. And honestly, it's likely that they will ever, like they will prevent him from ever reaching his max potential, what we saw um, a few years ago back in 20, uh, 2021. Then you've got grad transfer Thomas Harper, who also brings plenty of skill and experience, but he's also dealt with a myriad of shoulder injuries throughout his career. And we know that these things usually come back. Like a shoulder injury... It just It's one of those things, especially in football where you're tackling guys and there's a lot of uh, physical toll on the shoulders. Notre Dame needs both of those guys on the field this year uh, to complement Benjamin Morrison. If they do, Notre Dame's defensive back unit could be a strength of the team, which isn't something we've been able to say for a long, long time. But if they aren't able to stay healthy and Notre Dame has to dig deep into that cornerback room, I don't know how confident I am in the depth of that group to play at the level in which they need to be if Notre Dame wants to compete for a college football playoff. All right, stick around. I'm going to switch over to the linebackers after this brief message. Looking for a delicious snack but don't want all of the sugar and calories? Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever. Bill, you got to try this. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you. Bill Bars and Bill Puffs, you got to try this. 
What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real dark chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they're healthy. With only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar, with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars at Built.com. But now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club while you can still get your specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream bar, double chocolate, or coconut puff. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors like brownie batter puff and churro puff. I promise you're going to love these, and you will thank me later. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. Today we're looking at Notre Dame's defensive two deep, and now let's resume with the captains of the middle of the defense, the linebackers. So, a couple familiar faces right now in the starting lineup. At the Mike linebacker, you've got J.D. Bertrand, a fifth-year senior. This is a trend, by the way. At the Will, you've got Maris Leofau, another fifth-year senior. And then at Rover, you've got Jack Kaiser. Three fifth-year seniors return for Notre Dame to lead their linebacking room. And look, I know that there has been a lot of complaints about the productivity of the linebackers, especially last year. And I understand, I share some of your concerns, but having three fifth-year seniors, guys with plenty of experience, return for this season with plenty of depth behind them, it's not the worst thing in the world. But let's get to the backups as as it is right now. So the thing is with with these linebackers is, even though I'm saying these positions, like these guys could move around a lot, especially uh, once we get into fall camp and we see which younger guys step up and sort of force themselves onto the field on Saturdays, then we can move these positions around. But for now, let's look at it at the will, which is Jalen Sneed, the redshirt freshman, the Mike Nolan Ziegler, another redshirt freshman, and then the rover uh, looks to be Jane Osborne. He had a really impressive spring game. He's a true freshman, early enrollee, so I could actually see him getting on the field this fall, which is not something I probably would have expected a few months ago. And then a couple other true freshmen to think about, Preston Zinter, who so far has played the will, and then Drake Bowen at the mic. Again, these guys could move around, but last year, the problem was that guys like Maris Leofau, J.D. Bertrand, they could not come off the field. They know the defense. They know where guys in front of them need to be. They know the coverages. And they're pretty good players. The problem is they were just on the field too much, especially with Maris Leofau. And I think that led to fatigue. That led to poor decisions. And that led to poor play from the Notre Dame linebackers. If these young guys can step up, which I think they certainly can, then we could be looking at this group totally differently. So if you look at it last year, Maris Leofau led the entire defense with 601 snaps. That's a ton for any player. Even if that player is an All-American, that's a lot of snaps on the field, especially at linebacker. And you think about the toll that that position takes in your body. Good God. Behind him, J.D. Bertrand, who had 521 snaps, who likely would have had a lot more if he wasn't addicted to targeting penalties last year. He was ejected from two games and honestly could have been ejected from a third. So he's got to clean that up this year. And I'm pretty high in J.D. Bertrand. I know most people aren't. But I think this year, if he can stay healthy, uh, he will have a really good year this year. And then Jack Kaiser, he's sort of the wild card to me. And he's listed as a rover, but he could also sneak into the will spot. We saw that a little bit in spring ball. He didn't play in the blue and gold game, so we'll just have to see. Jack Kaiser, in 305 snaps last season, was an incredibly productive player. He was second on the team in tackles with 51, or excuse me, 59. He had two and a half sacks, and he has also racked up a couple interceptions so far in his career at Notre Dame. When you hear about his workouts, like apparently Jack Kaiser tests better than most of the guys on the team, which 
isn't something that you'd probably say when you first saw him. But I think that he could be a really productive player if he's able to get on the field more this season. Like I said, he had a little bit less than half of the snaps that Maris Leofau played. But I really want to talk about these backups here because I think they are the real key to this defense. And if you remember, when Marcus Freeman arrived at Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator back in 2021, he immediately signed one of the best linebacker uh, classes in the country out of high school. Guys like Jalen Sneed. He was a five-star. Nolan Ziegler was uh, not as high as a recruit as the other guys, but he was also pretty good. And I know some guys have moved around, but then he followed that up with another really solid recruiting class, even though he's the head coach. He wasn't wasn't just recruiting linebackers anymore. But Notre Dame still recruited linebacker pretty well. Drake Bowen, he's a fan favorite. He was sort of the leader of this past recruiting class. He's an Indiana kid. He was an unbelievable high school football player in the state of Indiana. I know that, like, Indiana, notoriously, not the best high school football in the country, but he was a big dude, and he was doing everything for his team. He was a running back. He was a linebacker. He was a really, really good player, and I think that he has a bright future at Notre Dame. I don't think he's going to crack the two deep, or maybe he might be on the two deep, but I don't see him getting a ton of reps on the field this year. To me, the X factor in all this is Jalen Sneed. Because he was a five-star, but when he came to Notre Dame, he was clearly not physically ready to play the position. He was under 200 pounds, which is like a complete no-no if you want to start at linebacker at the college level. But he's had some time now to bulk up, get bigger in the weight room, and I think we all know just how good of an athlete he is. And he showed that in, in bursts last year. He only played 22 snaps, but when he was out there, you knew. I remember that play against Boston College last year. I know it was garbage time or whatever, but still... In the snow, he came in, filled the hole, and absolutely teed off on the running back. And it was one of those plays where you're like, okay, like I'm starting to see something here with this guy. And that's the thing about these five-star recruits is I feel like your freshman year, some guys end up being, you know, Harold Perkins at LSU, who as a true freshman was maybe the best defensive player in the entire country. But that's not the rule. That's not the norm. So I think it's safe to say that some of these five-stars, even though they were recruited pretty highly out of high school – Like, it might take some time, but it can't take too much time. Like, if you're a five-star and you really are that good, you probably need to start showing it by your sophomore year. That's just my opinion, and that's why I wasn't um, so certain that a guy like Prince Colley, who at this point in time has not found a home, even though everyone sort of thinks he's going uh, to Vanderbilt to play with Clark Lee, who recruited him out of high school, I wasn't so sure about him because I was like, all right, we haven't really seen at this point. We knew that he had plenty of, like, athletic ability, But if he's not going to figure out now, when is it ever going to happen? So I think this is a huge year for Snead. I think he's going to have a great opportunity to force himself in the depth chart. I think out of any of the backup linebackers I just mentioned, I think he's going to be the first guy to come on the field. It's just a matter of what position is he going to play. We know he's a great athlete. We know that he can probably, once he learns the defense, once he has a better understanding of how to play football at the college level, I think he's going to be really effective in coverage. I don't know if he's going to be like, Jeremiah Uwusu Koromoa, but that might be a little bit unfair to compare him to because he was just, uh, I'm referring to JOK, he was just an absolute freak. He was like the hardest hitting linebacker on the field, but was also exceptional in coverage and just had amazing instincts. Like that play against Clemson in 2020 in the regular season when he just jumped the play and then just took the pitch, returned it for a touchdown. That was unbelievable stuff. And compared, like if you compare their recruitments, JOK wasn't even close to what Snead was. So I think this is a big year for Snead. 
Um, he was redshirted last year, but he's had time to learn the system, and I think he has a, a great chance this year to crack the starting lineup. If he does that, I think that says a lot about where this Notre Dame defense can go because right now we know what Bertrand, we know what Leofau, uh, and we still kind of know what Kaiser can do, but I still think that there's room to pr- improve this season, as I was saying. But, like, if he's good enough to get Maris Leofau off the field, and look, I'm with you guys. If I see Maris Leofau run full speed into another lineman like he was doing over and over and over again last season, I'm going to have a conniption. I can't see that every time. But I think we kind of forget just how excited everyone was about Leo Fowl way back in 2020 when he broke out against North Carolina and he was just flying in off the edge, completely fearless. The thing is, one, he didn't have expectations back then, and two, he was rotating a lot. He wasn't a mainstay on the defense, so when he was out there, he was fresh. So if Sneed, if Ziegler, and Osbury, if one of those guys can get in there, then I think that says a lot about that individual player. But if we're looking at the group as a whole, I just want to know, how deep is the rotation actually going to be? Because we know that they've got several guys who can contribute. It's just a matter of on Saturdays when Notre Dame's in a tight game, how much is Al Golden going to actually want to rotate these guys? I think, fortunately for Notre Dame, their first three games are pretty easy so they can get these guys out there. But I'm talking about like when Notre Dame plays Ohio State, when Notre Dame plays Clemson, when Notre Dame plays USC. Are these guys actually going to get on the field? Are they going to take snaps away from Leofau or Bertrand? If they do, then okay, now we can start to see just how good of a player these guys are. And as I mentioned, when Marcus Freeman arrived, he signed a really good group of linebackers. Some of those guys have moved around since. You've got like Junior Tui Alamaka, who's now at Viper, same with Josh Burnham. But Notre Dame has a wealth of experience uh, in front of those guys, but a plenty of potential behind them. And in, in order to have elite defense this season, Notre Dame is going to need great play from their linebackers. And based on what we've seen uh, up to this point, Notre Dame isn't going to get great play out of their three fifth-year seniors if they can never come off the field. If they can rotate, if they can share snaps with these younger guys who are great athletes and come in fresh and make plays, and now we're just getting sort of the best of every player when they're on the field, Notre Dame's defense could be really, really good. And they need to have great linebacker play in order to get to that level. And I don't think it's even a possibility unless some of these young guys step up, the coaches feel comfortable putting them out on the field and let them make plays. And if that's the case, then Notre Dame could actually have an elite defense this season. And I'm really excited to see which one of these young guys, hopefully multiple, can step up and force themselves onto the field on Saturdays. All right, coming up in segment three, we'll round out the defense with a look at the D-line, and I'll figure out if the concerns about this group are still warranted now that spring ball is in the rear view. All right, let's talk about the defensive line. In the first unit, as I understand it right now, we're going to see Javante Jean-Baptiste, the six-year senior, the transfer from Ohio State. I think that today he is the starter at the strong side end position. Now, if it were to turn out that on uh, in the fall against Navy, Nana Osafa Mensa, the fifth-year senior uh, who played 253 snaps last year, if he's the starter, that wouldn't shock me at all. Okay, I think that there's a, a competition there, but I think they're going to rotate plenty, so who starts – might not matter as much as who finishes, but that's just one position. Let's move to the nose tackle, Howard Cross. Maybe the most consistent player on the Notre Dame defensive line, or at least of the returning players this season. He had 430 snaps in 2022. He's a 50-year senior. He's a little bit undersized, but again, amazing hands, very consistent, very reliable in the middle of that defensive line. So he's got his position carved out. You don't have to worry about him. 
Then at defensive tackle, you've got Riley Mills, who is a freak athlete, has all the uh, you know the workout numbers to make you think, okay, wow, this guy could be a really good player. He could do something in the NFL even. But we're going to need to see some of that translate to actual production on the field on Saturdays before we get to that point. Mills had a ton of hype around him coming into last season, and frankly, he just didn't live up to that. He wasn't a bad player. He just wasn't the great player that Notre Dame was hoping to have. Um, but that was when he was playing defensive end. He was a strong side in last year, this year. He's moved back to the middle, which I think is where he should be. He's probably a little bit more comfortable there. And then Viper. Our, this could have been the biggest our biggest question mark about the group, but that's not, uh, or at least not for me, at least. So this is going to be Jordan Patello. And Jordan Patello is a very violent football player. At the beginning of his career at Notre Dame, it was kind of hard to just get a wrangle on him. But he showed quite some flashes in uh, that Gator Bowl against South Carolina. But if you look at his season in totality last year, he only played 79 snaps. And Notre Dame is counting on him to be their best pass rusher of any of the defensive linemen this season. That's a lot to ask. Is he capable of it? I think he is. But we have to see it on Saturdays to really believe. And hopefully we will. Like, I think that he can do it, but there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. And this is a huge year for him. He does have another year of eligibility out after this one. But, I mean, there is a world where if Patel has a breakout season, has 10-plus sacks or whatever, then he might bolt for the NFL. I don't know. If that happens, it's usually, or that's probably going to be a pretty good indicator of how he performed this season at Notre Dame, and that'd be a great thing for this defensive line unit this season. Maybe not so much next season, but certainly this year. All right, let's get to the backup. So strong side, I already mentioned, Nana Osefa Mensa, but he could end up being the starter. There's going to be plenty of rotating there. And no tackle, Jason Anye. This really surprised me. He was sort of uh, one of the breakout players in spring practice, and even though he's not going to be a starter, at least right now, Notre Dame really needs a guy in the middle of that defensive line to step up. And Jason Anye, he really showed out during that month of uh, spring practice. He's a big dude. He's six four and a half, retrot sophomore. And he even admitted to the media that he recognized, like, all right, if I'm going to do something at Notre Dame, it's kind of got to be now because there's really talented young guys uh, behind me. And if they pass me up, it's going to be really hard to beat them out, especially if they're younger. So he only played eight snaps in 2022, and now I think he's going to be relied upon as maybe like the second guy off the bench on this entire defensive line unit. Now, Al Washington is going to want to rotate these guys a lot, and I'll explain a little bit more in a second, but Jason Anye could have a very big role for this Notre Dame defense uh, at nose tackle this year. At the other defensive tackle position, you've got Gabriel Rubio, retreat sophomore, who was he's played a little bit last season, 159 snaps. Sort of came on a little bit at the end of the year. I think that he kind of has to take a big leap this year. As he enters his junior year uh, academically, Notre Dame needs him to start making plays and be more reliable in the middle of that defense. He's a big dude, and I think he can. Viper, another big question mark. Junior Tui Alamaka, true sophomore, 63 snaps in 2022 as a linebacker. Uh, He was part of that linebacking class that I was talking about earlier that Freeman signed once he became the defensive coordinator. And... He has made this move to Viper permanently. It's I'm really interested to see how this plays out. Clearly, he showed some flashes there in practice that made the coaches say, okay, this is where he needs to be all the time. And he made some plays in spring ball, beating Joe Alt, beating Blake Fisher, where you're like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this. Now, Batello is still going to be the guy, at least at the start, but on third down packages, when Notre Dame brings in their pass rushers, I could see a scenario where Junior Tui Alamaka makes a name for himself, and that could lead to him getting on the field a lot more in the future. Behind them, you've got a couple of guys like Alexander Ahrensberger, who's been around the program for a while. He was randomly in, I think it was the last drive against Cal last season when Notre Dame, 
I mean, the season was on the brink. They were already 0-2. They needed to stop Cal from scoring, and then they kept giving them chances. I swear, I had it written down in my notes from doing uh, this on Saturday podcast, but I think he was in the game, and I literally wrote, who is that? Why is he in? But that's probably a little bit harsh. That just was more so focused on the actual situation at the time. But I think he could be a good rotational player. But, like, he's been around the program. If it's not now, then when? No tackle. Another guy who's kind of in the mix. I don't know. Some people thought he was going to leave the program. I'm referring to Aiden Kanina. Excuse me. Aiden Kanina. I probably still say that wrong. But I'm sorry, Aiden. I'm, I'm trying here. Um He's another guy who's been around the program for a long time. Now, granted, he did suffer uh, a torn ACL, I believe, before last season even started, which really wiped out his entire season. But he's a really big dude, has shown some flashes in spring practice that have uh, the guys on Irish Illustrated raving about him. But then again, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff thinks very highly of him. There were even some rumors that he was expected to leave because the coaching staff was like, we don't really have a scholarship for you. Again, I don't know the full circumstance, but we haven't seen him a whole lot. And uh, maybe they will. Uh, maybe we will this season. We'll have to see. And then a couple other guys. Tyson Ford, retro freshman, high recruit coming out of high school. He was a 120 player nationally, according to the 247 Sports Composite. And you saw some flashes with him in spring practice. We were like, okay, you're starting to see some of that potential on the actual field, especially in the blue and gold game. That would be huge for Notre Dame because I think he's immensely talented. And if he sort of figures everything else out about the position and he's getting in the rotation, that's great. Josh Burnham, he's another Viper who could be in the mix, um, another converted linebacker. He needed to take some time to bulk up and get the body ne necessary to play the Viper position. He only played one snap last season, but then again, that's the exact amount that Tyson Ford played. So Notre Dame, I feel, not just Notre Dame really, any team in college football, you need to rotate at least eight guys uh, on the defensive line. And they can't just be like, you're rotating them just for the sake of rotating them. You need, you need eight guys who can really contribute when their name is called um, against good teams. And I just named 12 guys right now. I haven't even mentioned um, Aiden Gobira, another redshirt freshman. He had one stamp last season. I think his position uh, is a little bit uncertain. I know that he's played a little bit at the strong side end. And I, th this honestly could be the case, uh, referring to the position change for a lot of these guys, especially the ones I just mentioned where they're not like carved out in the two deep, but they're just kind of in the rotation. If they're good enough that they just need to be on the field and they can move around maybe uh, depending on the situation. And then you've got some true freshmen coming in um, in the summer, like Armel Mukum, Bubakor Traor, uh, and Brennan Vernon. And uh, then there's Devin Houston, who's the early enrollee. But again, it was just a theme, I guess, of spring practice. All the early enrollees got hurt, which is really unfortunate because like I can't even imagine how hard it is to be an early enrollee at Notre Dame because it's like the worst time of year on campus. It's the middle of winter. Uh, you don't know anyone. You're missing out on your second semester of high school, which is arguably uh, one of the most fun times of some people's lives. Some of us who peaked in high school, that might have been me. Um, anyway, these guys, I don't know if any of them are going to crack the rotation this year. I, I'm guessing that they'll probably all be redshirted and maybe they'll get some spot appearances throughout the season. But we'll just have to see their positions right now. I think they like Brennan Vernon at strong end. I think it's too early to tell, and I don't want to you know, place a position on him right now and then end up being wrong later on, although I have been wrong before. But Notre Dame has plenty of talented guys. They, just ha they don't have a star right now. They don't have an Isaiah Foskey. And I think 
that's really important. Like, you look at the best teams in college football every year, they're just pumping out NFL draft picks, especially on the edge because we know how important it is to get after the passer this year or in, in modern college football, not just this year, obviously. But we know how important that is. And then you got to have some beasts in the middle. Like, Georgia had Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis. Like, that's that's just different. I'm sorry. They're just at a different level. But I have to point it out, like, the best teams in college football have absolute dogs in the middle uh, and on the edges of the defensive line. And right now, Notre Dame has good players, guys who have shown flashes, but they don't have any stars. And that's a problem. So that's why my, my biggest question for this group is, can the whole be greater than the sum of its parts? I know that saying has almost become a cliche, especially when talking about this defensive line unit at Notre Dame. But if you look at it historically, or at least recent history at Notre Dame, the defensive line has been one of the most consistent groups on the entire roster for the better part of the past five-plus years, headlined by stars like Isaiah Foskey, Jerry Tillery, and other really good players like Julian Aguara, who I wouldn't consider a star, but he's a third-round NFL draft pick, so that's really good. Notre Dame could really use a Julian Aguara this season, as well as a guy like Khalid Kareem. Those two guys, I mean, and Jerry Tillery, they were the reason, honestly, that Notre Dame's defense was so good in 2018, and that's a team that went to the college football playoff and is probably the most talented team outside of maybe 2015, you can make an argument there, of the entire Brian Kelly era. Notre Dame's defensive line coach, Al Washington, is adamant that his group is underrated, and I think they've heard some of the criticisms, not just from me, obviously, but from a lot of people who cover uh, Notre Dame football and talk about them for a living because I think those concerns are fair to have. But that being said, Al Washington will be able to rotate plenty of good players to keep these guys fresh in the offense off balance. That's certainly not a question right now for this group. But Notre Dame is going to need a few of those guys to make a leap this season and become more than just good players. They need to become the game wreckers you need on the line of scrimmage to dominate the trenches against the best teams in college football. If that happens, the rest of the defense could be good enough to make the college football playoff, but it really starts and ends with this defensive line, and I think a lot of people are going to be eager to see how they perform against Ohio State. Like, it's not – the Navy game isn't going to be a tell. Uh, We'll see come September 23rd against Ohio State. Is this defensive line up to snuff? If they are, then Notre Dame could have a really, really good defense in 2023. All right, that's a wrap for this episode of Lockdown Irish. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. On the way out, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a follow on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.